Hi, I'm Colleen Nolan, and this is my podcast, Let's Talk About Grief, a Reach production brought to you by Co-op Funeral Care. Over the five episodes, I'll be using this platform to chat to my special guests about their very own personal experiences of death, grief, and the ways in which they've chosen to remember their loved ones. Each week, we'll touch on a different theme, from losing a parent, sibling, or spouse to dealing with grief in lockdown. We'll uncover how many guests handle the initial blow of losing a loved one, how and where they found support, and the coping mechanisms they continue to rely on to get them through the toughest of times. They'll also be sharing their best advice in the hope that it'll help anyone out there who needs to hear it most. We'll also look at what happens in the weeks that follow the funeral and explore the many moving, creative ways my guests choose to keep the memory of their loved ones alive. I'll also be joined by cruise bereavement specialists and co-op funeral care team to share their valuable knowledge. My hope is that this podcast brings comfort and offers advice to people who need it most, whether it's someone suffering a bereavement or someone supporting them. This podcast is a REACH production brought to you by Co-op Funeral Care. Together, no one has to deal with bereavement alone. I remember the, the turning point is when I knew that he wasn't going to have long left. And he looked at me and he said to me, I've had enough now. I'm, I'm ready to go. Three weeks later, I think he'd gone. The grief never goes away. It never goes away. It's such a strong emotion. There's no perfect way to deal with grief. You've got to find your way of dealing with grief. And I'll always talk about my brother and my dad because I never want to stop talking about them. When I'm talking about them, memories are coming back to yeah. me and, and, I, and I love it and it's part of my grieving. Too many men especially. Men especially. They won't, they won't cry. Be... So today I am joined on this podcast with the fabulous Jake Quickenden who actually is the extra son that I never asked for. Yeah. Um, we've known each other a while now, haven't we, Jake? It's a few years now. Well, it is a few years. I think Loose Women was the first time we met. Was it? Yeah, definitely, like properly. Yeah, and, and I then think we I did was going to like you. No, I still don't like you. Well, that's probably how we get on. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's a love-hate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> no, it was definitely Loose Women <clears throat> the first time. I remember, God, I've been on Loose Women about 10 times, though, mm. but... Um, yeah, I remember the Jake. first time you was really nice to me. Yeah, first and time. I thought, Tenth time, I thought, yeah, we yeah. don't get and any then, other guests. Yeah, and then every yeah. time you got less nice to me, but sadly, I liked it. Sadly, you were always available. Always. I'll talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll talk well, about... speaking of that, this podcast is about talking about grief mm -hmm. and losing loved ones and, and how you deal with it. And um, it's obviously been very well documented that you lost your dad mm -hmm. and your brother. Yeah. So how how many years is that now since you lost them? I lost my dad when I was 20, so it's nearly 14 years now. And I lost Oliver, it's coming up to 10 years. So really? yeah, which is just mad when I think about it because I can still remember both days so vividly. Where were you when you found out? So my dad was in hospital and he kind of, um, he stopped being like responsive and he got taken in. My dad had uh, myeloma, which right. was cancer of the bone marrow. Right. And Oliver had osteosarcoma, which was a tumour on the bone itself. I always thought my dad would live forever. Mm. Um, and even at points where we got told by the hospital, it's not looking good or he's mm. only got a few weeks. I remember I came home from Australia, actually. I was in Australia. My mum phoned me and was like, your dad's took a really bad turn for the worse. And it took me a lot to go to Australia anyway, because I knew that my dad was poorly. Yeah. But my dad was like, you need to live your life. Go follow your dreams. I had an opportunity to play football out there. So I went and I said, look, just get in contact with me if you take a turn for the worse and mm -hmm. I'll get on a flight. It's only a day away. And I remember I was really homesick for the first few months. And then my mum phoned me and I just started to settle. Mm -hmm. And I was having a few pints. And I just started to settle and, and my mum phoned and said, your dad's taking a really bad turn. I think you need to you need to come home. So, literally that night, I packed, I booked a flight, and I was on I was on the flight that same night. And I got home, and my dad was in a really bad way. And then he lived for another three years after that. And I was like, "Cheers, Did mate! He? I've cut me holiday short here." <laughs> um, but that's what the, wow. the thing with my dad is. He was such a strong guy, and he said he he only got given a year when he was diagnosed. And I think he. I think he did six years. Wow. And one year he said the only reason that he's done that is because he wanted to see us boys grow up as much as he possibly could. And mm. he just fought and fought and fought. And I think 
when that fight had left him and he had none left and that's when he deteriorated and mm. he lost the use of his legs and he had a tracheotomy and he was just he wasn't the dad I remembered mm. my dad was six foot three big mm. 17 stone do you know what I mean and I think when he passed he was about seven stone it just was a shell of what he used to be yeah I remember it. We, we we all went to hospital all three brothers and um we always in the room my dad mm. talking away and stuff and this is something that's always played on my mind as kind of losing my dad is because I thought my dad would live forever, like I said. So I thought, he ain't going to die. Mm. So I went home um, and I said to my two brothers, like they had a hospital bed and I was like, I'm going to go home for a few hours, get some kip, I'll come mm. back in the morning. And I remember going home and I got in bed and about half an hour after being in bed, the phone rang and I knew straight away. Mm. And my mum came in and she said, your dad's gone. gone. And it played on my mind for, it still does if I'm honest. Played on your mind as in you feel guilty that you yeah. weren't there. Yeah, get massive, a lot of guilt, a lot of regret for leaving. My, me and my dad's relationship was always amazing. I was like the sporty son, so we did everything together. He used to take me to all sports clubs and I loved sport as much as he did. And even when my dad started getting really poorly and when he started changing physically, I stopped going around as much. Mm. Because seeing him like that really did something quite... It's a selfish. It's selfish on my part. It, it really hurt me seeing my dad in that much pain. I don't think that's. I don't think that's selfish. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a coping mechanism, and yeah. you don't want to see it. You nah, know, I didn't. Hero of yours, you don't want to see him deteriorate. I just. I wanted to remember my dad like he was. Like he was. Like a big, joker, big yeah. meathead. But yeah, I, I, it plays. Still plays on my mind every now and again, thinking that I want there, thinking that I was the only one not there. But obviously, I jumped in my car and I rushed to the hospital and. He'd unfortunately gone mm. and I, I can remember just sitting by his body and just talking and for ages, for hours, mm. just talking and just being like, I'm going to miss you so much. I don't know how I'm going to cope, if I'm mm. honest. Like we had a really tight knit family. We still mm. have. Most of them have died now. <laughs> That's mm. the thing. Like mm. you were, uh, I've lost quite a lot of them. I've, like I say, I've lost my brother and my, my grand, my grand my granddad, they've all, they're all kind of going. But um, yeah, I remember it so clearly. The days after that, the weeks after that, the month, how did you cope? What was your coping mechanism? Um, my, my coping mechanism with my dad was a lot different to when I lost my brother. My coping mechanism with my dad, I kind of just surrounded myself with my mates, went out, kind of tried to forget it. Mm. Typical man thing, didn't want to talk about it. Got drunk a lot, went out and partied a lot. Probably the, the worst thing you can possibly do, and I'm so open with saying that I did that because those kind of things are a depressant anyway. Yeah. Going out and having a drink, mm. you wake up and you feel 10 times worse the next day. But yeah, I, I kind of did that. I tried to take my mind off of losing my dad. Mm. I lived with my mum as well. So it was weird. Some days I used to remember getting up and thinking, I'm at my dad's today. Mm. And then thinking, he's not there. he's not there anymore. And it's I'm those days, isn't it, of realisation that hit you again. Hit, you go like, through the whole process again. Do you know what? I still have those days now. And yeah. I think with grief, it's something that never disappears. And in a way, I would never want it to disappear because I watched a podcast with Andrew Garfield. You know, mm. he played Spider-Man and he lost his mum. Mm. And he said that he looks at grief as all the love that you had left over for that person yeah. that you can't express to them anymore because they're not there. Um, but you still carry it. Always. But you still carry it. And in a way, I'm glad that I still grieve. Yeah. Because if I didn't, it would mean that that love's not there anymore. And I'm always going to love my dad and I'm always going to miss him. And there's days that I wish that I could wake up and ring him and tell him I've done this or I've just got married. I've had mm. a baby and my dad wasn't there to see any of it. Mm. My dad never got to see me on any TV shows. Not one. Mm. I went on the X Factor after my dad had passed away. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted to live my life and yeah. do different things. And I always think that I try and take positives from negative situations as hard as it is. There's obviously no positives come from losing a family member, yeah. but I try and think that there is. And I try and think what positives came from losing my dad and losing my brother. And the only positives I can really get out of it is, one, I can try and help other people mm -hmm. if they're going through grief and loss. Two, I now look at life so differently. I used to live life through ego and through what I can achieve and, and how good I looked. 
now I live life every day is a day that you get to live, see your family, yeah, live, and live, see your friends, make memories and just live your life. And that's why we always have a joke, don't we? Like mm. I do every show given. Yeah. I've done, I've done them all. <laughs> yeah. I've done reality shows and I always say, I ain't going to pass anything by. No. Why would I say no to something? Why would I have said no to the jungle when I got offered it? Mm. Why would I say no to Dance on an Ice when I got offered it? Because for one, it's making memories. For two, it's giving me life experience and, and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And three, I'm getting paid. Yeah. So I'm going to do these things. And it's your job. And it's my yeah. job. And this is a thing like everything now, I, I became a bit of a yes man because saying yes, it can open so many other doors. Mm. And that's what I got from losing my dad and my brother. And then Oliver got diagnosed. So it was like, give us a break. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We just, I'd say just started getting over losing my dad. I don't think you ever get over losing somebody. No. But you learn, I To think, deal with it. To deal with, you learn to live with it almost. You process you it better. Yeah. yeah. And I think two years had passed. I started getting myself into a bit more, better frame of mind. And then just this news that Oliver now had And cancer. where were you at that point? Were you at home? Were you working? You know what? Again, I can remember it like it was yesterday. So I was living in Leeds at the time. I told my mum I was working, but I want. I was just living off my dad's inheritance, <laughs> <laughs> which I spent in about three months. Well, she thought I had a job when I was just out partying all the time. And I remember Oliver had had a bad knee for a while because mm. we all played sports. We thought he'd done something to mm. his ligaments. And my mum took him for a biopsy and... I think we all thought, surely not. Like it can't, like we can't get another load of bad luck. Like mm. what have we done in a past life to get all this bad news? I was driving my Corsa. <laughs> I had a little baby blue Corsa. It used to shake Showing when it hit 60. <laughs> Honestly, when it got to 60, it'd shake. <laughs> I was driving back from Leeds and I remember my, my phone went off. So I put it on the speaker and um, my mum was just crying. And I remember just thinking, please... Can't be. Please, yeah. no, please, no. She said, Oliver's got a tumour. Um, he's got cancer. And I was like, oh. I said, right, okay, I'll be home. I'm, I'm literally set off from Leeds. I'll be half an hour, like, I'll be home. And I remember walking into the kitchen. The only person who wasn't crying was Oliver. Mm. And he went, mate, come on. He's like, as if it's going to do me. Throughout Oliver's whole illness, he never once complained. Mm. He'd be the kind of guy that would walk into the room and say, you all right? How are you lot doing? Mm. He'd never want anyone to ask him in how he's doing. Even when his hair fell out, even when he was in a wheelchair, he'd never be that guy. And I can remember him saying, it's all good, man. Don't worry about me. I've got it. He's like, all right. And obviously started his treatment. He, um, he had to have his leg off. So he had his leg from his hip to his ankle totally taken out and removed. What age was he going at this point? He was... 16. <clears throat> he had his leg off. Um, so he had his own foot and his own hip, but a, a metal titanium right, leg. Okay. And I know that that hit him hard, man. He like he loved his sports mm. and stuff like that. But again, didn't once moan. He had a scar, literally he had like, I don't know, 75 mm. staples in his leg and so many hours of rehabilitations. It was so up and down and they didn't, they couldn't really ever put a time like, is it terminal or is it not with, with mm. all these osteosarcoma is, I do quite a lot of work now with Sarcoma UK, which is sarcoma. There's a lot of different sarcoma cancers. Mm. Osteosarcoma is a very common, it's not common, but it's a common cancer with people between the age of 16 and 25, I think mm -hmm. males and, and females. Um, so they never really said how much time. And I think, again, we are, I always assumed that Oliver would fight it. And, and 16, yeah, you 16, think? Yeah, 16, he's, he's going to get through yeah. this. His leg, having his leg removed was obviously a big thing. And then he got into remission. So if nobody kind of knows what remission is, it's when they get told like the, the, the cancer's under control. Yeah. It's not gone, but it's under control. It's livable. You don't have to do any more. And the chemo. Yeah, chemo, chemo can yeah. be stopped for yeah. a bit. And I remember he was in remission just long enough for his hair to grow back. And then they went for scans. And again, I walked into the kitchen and um, at my mum's house and it was a bit quiet. The only person again that was stood there with a big grin on his face was Oliver for some reason. I've gone, what? 
She's got his back. My mum got his back. Okay, all right. Like, what do we do? She went, it's not just in his knee now. The scan showed up his whole body. Mm. My mum described it by like it lit up like a Christmas tree. I think he had 27 tumours. Wow. So it had moved into his lungs, into his pelvis, into his neck. Again, Oliver was like, got rid of it before. Do it again. Man. Don't worry about me. But I think even he knew then it was a bit too much. Do you think he was trying to be strong for all of you? Because yeah, he watched you all grieve for your dad. and Definitely, definitely. I think they almost have a sense of guilt, don't they? That, yeah. oh, I know with my sister when her cancer came back, Linda, um, her thing was, I can't do this to my family again. Yeah. I think that's what Oliver was. He yeah. wanted to protect my mom. Yeah. I feel so bad for all as well because he he never really got a chance to grieve himself for for his for dad's that. loss. Yeah. He had a couple of years and then all of a sudden he was in this the fight of his life. Do you mm. know what I mean? So they said it was back. He went through all his scans and, and Oliver then, he broke his back. He lost the use of his legs. Mm. He had half his lung out. He had tubes and things fitted in all the time. And he slowly just got worse and worse then. Um, I made sure because of what happened with my dad that I was there as much as I could with Oliver. Mm -hmm. So I was around at his house all the time. I used to help him with physio to try and get his legs working. He used to be like, mate, just give it a break. I can't feel a thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, they're not going to work. I'm like, no, come on. We can do that. Like, yeah. get him going. And I remember the, the turning point is when I knew that he wasn't going to have long left. He's, he was laid on his bed. He couldn't go to the toilet himself. And he looked at me, his older brother, but this is what gets me the worst, mm. is I was supposed to protect Oliver. I could never protect him. And he said to me, I've had enough now. I'm, I'm ready to go. Mm. And to hear that as a brother, I was like, right, okay, try and keep strong. I'm like, don't be stupid. Stop talking out your ass. Like, you're not going anywhere. He's like, mate, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I've, I've had enough. I, I, mm. can't, I can't keep fighting this. It's like, okay. Three weeks later, I think he'd gone. Again... I don't know. I think I was a boy racer or something because I was, I was in my car. I was always in my car when I found out. <laughs> I remember I had a Saxo this time. I'd upgraded from the Corsa. I had a Saxo, boy race. I probably at McDonald's drive-thru or something. <laughs> and I got a phone call. And Oliver's took a turn for the worse. You need to get round to his house. He's mm. not responsive. And that In my head again, I thought, I've missed it again. I've missed it again. I'm not trying to make it about myself, but the first thing you... Mm. I didn't want that. I didn't want to not be there. I rushed to his house and I don't think he'd spoke for a few hours. And um, I sat down by his bed and I took his hand and he opened his eyes and he went, I love you, man. Oh. I said, I love you too. And uh, yeah, 10 minutes later, I'd gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was so strange because it was so surreal. Like you have that first initial cry in your eyes out. Mm. And then I remember that Oliver got married. He married my sister-in-law, she's still part of the family now, still love her to bits. And her mum made sandwiches for everyone. We're all in the house with Oliver. She brought sarnies out. I can remember sitting in the garden with Adam. We were eating sandwiches. And even to the point where for five minutes we'd all be uncontrollable crying. I can still hear my mum's wails now. But then we'd be laughing. Yeah. And we'd, we'd, we'd make a joke. And having a normal conversation. Normal laughing, conversation. Yeah. But don't you think that's the thing about grief itself is that it's that it's one minute you're sobbing 100%. and literally five minutes later you're laughing or talking about what you're gonna have for dinner yeah. or i think grief itself is a kind of cancer because mm. it can it it consumes you in different ways yeah nobody can say that you grieve in one way that's why grief is such a, a weird subject because you don't just cry with grief no you don't just, and you also don't just grieve people that you've lost. Mm. You you can grieve the life you've lost with that person. You yeah. can grieve a job and, you've lost, friendships you've lost. And grief for other people yeah. who are going through grief. Of course, I think. You're grieving for your mum. I think I, I grieved a lot for my mum. Mm. A lot for my mum. Nobody should ever use, lose a child. No. Especially now that I'm a dad. Mm. It hits me even harder. I think if anything ever happened to mm. you know, Freddie, I wouldn't know what to do. So I had that kind of grieving. But yeah, we, we sat around eating sandwiches and then we yeah. was laughing at things that we'd done in the past yeah. and what Ollie had said and what Ollie had done. And remember when he used to do this and that and we'd laugh and then we'd cry and we'd laugh and we'd cry and it, and it went on for hours and hours and hours. And did you all, because um, the, the other thing about grief is I, I don't feel that, uh, you know, there isn't anyone that grieves the same. No. 
grief is so different for everybody. Yeah. Did you, as a family, grieve differently? I think we all grieve differently. Yeah. I think we all dealt with it in different ways. My, how did you deal with it? Do you know what? To, to this day, I still can't tell you how I got through it. But what gave you that? My, my family. Because you have to get up, don't you? You have to get yeah. up out of bed. Yeah. And you have to carry on living because, yeah. because that's life and that's death. You know? I could hear my dad and Oliver's voice in my head mm. all the time going, come on, get a grip now. Mm. And nobody should be told to get a grip. It's that whole man up thing now. Yeah, like, yeah. You shouldn't be told to man up. But it helped me in a way because it was, it wasn't come on man up. It was, the voice was come on. They wouldn't want that. Mm. They wouldn't want you to be crying. It's they wouldn't want they you to be laid going. in bed doing yeah. anything. Like, and they're not there anymore, but they're still so relevant to your life. They're mm. still there and they still they still drive me every day. They mm. still drive me to be a better person. Do you still have days though where maybe you don't get up and you do stay in bed and course, you cry? Of course, of course. I still have those days and I, and, I, and I don't feel ashamed to have those days and I don't think anyone should mm. because like I say, grief never goes away. It never goes away. It's such a strong emotion. It can come back at any time. A song can trigger it. We was looking through wedding photos yesterday mm. and the song attached to the wedding photos was my dad's funeral song. Really? Yeah. So we played this song and it started up and, and I looked at know. Soph. No, I didn't know. And I went, my dad's funeral song, that. So when the piano started, I knew. And in a way, it made me sad that my dad wasn't there. But but then I thought, he must have been there. They've, That's a sign. Was that that was a sign? That's a yeah. sign, isn't it? And is it important for you to have moments specifically for them because i know it was it um was it x factor you dedicated yeah I, I i feel like you dedicate a song to your dad every show i do because it's such a, such a poignant part of my life that's why i don't mind talking about it because i never want to forget them it's a memory it's something that i've lived with and it's some something that everybody who's gone through loss and grief goes through and sometimes a show will be like do you want to dedicate a song to your dad and mm. i think yeah why not? And you can always get people going, God, give it a rest. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Give it a rest. We don't want to hear about that anymore. Yeah. But I don't never want to stop talking about them. Mm. They, they were part of my life. X Factor. I remember Mel said, have you ever been through tragedy? So, here we go again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I said, yeah, I lost my, my dad and I've lost my, my little brother. Okay, sing like you're singing it for them. Yeah. I thought, why not? Yeah, that will give me the emotion. And it did, and I sang it and I got through and I ended up getting to the live shows and then lasting about an hour <laughs> and then got voted out. But it was part of my journey and, and I'll always talk about my brother and my dad because I never want to stop talking about them. Do you understand? Because again, there's some people that don't want to. Yeah, there's of course. don't want to talk about it all the Of time. course, yeah, I, and I totally get that. I think that's another coping mechanism. Mm. Like some people... It's too, it brings back too much pain yeah. to talk about them. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're forgotten about them. No, it just means not they, at all. Yeah. Not at all. They, they, they deal with it. They probably have moments by themselves where they sit and they think about it. Whereas mm. I, I love talking about them. Yeah. I love remembering because when I'm talking about them, memories are coming back to yeah. me and, and I, and I love it. And it's part of my grieving mm. is talking about them. It helps me because like I said, my dad, when my dad passed, my mechanism was going out and having a drink and forgetting about it, which is the worst thing you can do. Mm. Talking about it is the best thing you can do for me, but it might not be for everyone else. Mm. People deal with it in their own ways. When Oliver passed, I didn't go out half as much. I knew I had to be strong for my mum. and mm. knew it. It probably stopped me from dealing with it At as first, much. Because, you're because I was there me. for my mum. And I think I don't think... I'd. I didn't grieve for Oliver properly for about two years. Did you speak then to anyone? Did you have therapy? Never had you? therapy. No. And it's something that I should. I know that I should. I think it'll be good to talk to somebody that I don't know mm. that's not going to just be like, oh, you find me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I want to know why I do certain things. I'm, I'm so defensive sometimes and I can get frustrated easily. And I think that's all part of losing someone. I'm still frustrated at life. I'm still a bit bitter. Yeah, a bit angry. Yeah, I'm angry that they got taken. And you, you kind of have a right to be angry. Of course, you know, yeah. Been through such a lot at such a young age. and I also know that I'm not the only person that's been through it. No. 
So sometimes I think, Jake, you ain't got the right to be like that because everybody's been through it. Everybody but don't you think people. that's the problem, though, that yeah. I think with grief, you feel a lot of guilt. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think, oh, there's people that are so much worse off than me and people like yourself that has lost a dad and a brother within a short space of time. I don't think we should have guilt about, no. about grief. Really. No, I don't. You I know. don't. And I think we should be allowed to talk about it if we want to. But it's difficult for people, isn't it? How yeah. do you feel that people were around you, friends or people you hadn't seen that you met in the street? You know, what would you say to somebody? I'd always start with a joke. Yeah. I'd always make you light of me. it. I still do yeah. now. Yeah. I still do now. Like if we're talking, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day and they said, um, what, what does your dad do? I went, oh, um, just lays, lays in the lays in the ground it doesn't do much I was, he's dead and the whole room goes quiet I go guys it's fine like it's my way of dealing with it and also Humor your is way a huge of way. Yeah. taking the embarrassment from the person that's just yeah, said yeah 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 do? and I'm not much yeah do you know what I mean so and then they, they get awkward but I have such a good group of mates like my mates still to this day are my mates from school who I played footy with and They've they've been through it all with me. They've been through the loss of my dad and my brother. And there's days we've cried and we've sat and said nothing and played FIFA. And they've been there. My best mate, who was um, best man at my wedding, he's he lost his dad, and we mm. we make jokes out of it. Mm. We go like no dad crew and stuff like mm. this. And like on Father's Day, I'll be like, Happy Father's Day, mate. Cheap one. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like stuff like that. And it's just. I feel like I don't want to make anyone feel awkward. Nobody should treat you differently. And I think I never wanted anyone could, to treat me differently. If you could say to somebody who was coming up towards you in the street, who hadn't seen you for years or whatever, because some people find it hard and don't know what to say. Just, what do you think they need to say or do? Or I don't, I don't think they need to do anything. I think they just need to treat you present. exactly the same. Yeah. Be present, especially after Oliver died. People were like a little bit standoffish. They didn't really know what they could say. Because like, sorry with, doesn't seem enough, does nah, it? I it mean, don't. I felt it. You know, I thought, I don't know what to... Yeah. Sorry, what am yeah, I Yeah, I've lost my brother. Yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry about that. And it's like, that sorry's not going to help me. That's no. what you think to start with, innit? Mm. When you're a bit bitter at the world. Yeah. But you then you realise, oh God, they're in a really hard situation here. Hard because situation. my best mates, I've just lost my, my best friend in the world, my little mm. brother. And they know how much I'm hurting. All I could say to them is, don't treat me any different. Mm. Don't feel, if you want to take the piss out of me, take it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Don't don't feel like but you can't have like a joke that, about but it. Yeah. Some people aren't. And, that's, and can't take it. Exactly, so. exactly. And that's why grief is so different. And me being open about that and saying, guys, you can do what you yeah. got to do. Do you know what I mean? Like in my wedding speech, mm. I said, there's a few people that can't be with us today. I said, I only usually talk uh, talk about these two on reality shows when I need a few extra votes. <laughs> and do you know what I mean? Half the people listening to the speech went silent. Yeah. Chris is at the back going, yeah, boy. <laughs> I went, that one's for you, Chris, because he used to say, yeah. oh, God, stop talking about your dad and brother to try and get, get votes on sympathy. <laughs> so I said it, and that's my way of dealing with it. Yeah. Obviously, I'll talk about him until the day I die. Mm. I never want to forget him. I sit with Leo now. He's two. He doesn't he don't have a clue what I'm saying, but I'll sit and talk about my dad and my, my little brother to him. Is it important for you to celebrate milestones like birthdays? Of course. Or... We celebrate it every year, yeah. Every year we celebrate the date that they passed. Mm. We'll have a beer or I'll just sit and have a minute to myself. Birthdays, we always try and get together or do something as a family. I think... I never want to forget those days. You know what I mean? They're hard. Funny, those days it? are because hard. Because my family do that about Bernie, but I don't. Do you not? No. Is that because you I don't feel like celebrating? All over, there's always messages all over, in, you know, social media. And my family always put up these massive statements and pictures. And yeah. and the first couple of years, I did it because I felt guilty. Because yeah. I didn't want people to think. Why aren't that you posted? I, well, she doesn't love her sister yeah. because she hasn't mentioned her. Yeah. I don't want to remember that I should, I remember her every day. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't need to do that for me. Yeah. Um so it's funny talking to you because yeah. my sisters are very like you. Yeah. They go and have a, a vodka mule it's called on right. her birthday to celebrate her. Yeah. And I don't cuz yeah. my coping mechanism is I still think she lives in Surrey. Right. Cuz she yeah. lived in Surrey so I didn't see her every day. Yeah. And sometimes I just pretend she still lives. Still there. Yeah. 
yeah. and that's the and that's thing a coping mechanism and yeah but, and and is do you think you don't go out for a drink because you don't want to seem like you're celebrating that she's gone is that a, a no I don't want to think that the only day I think about her is on her birthday the day she yeah. died or Christmas yeah. you know I think about her like every day yeah so I don't I certainly don't want to celebrate the day she died. Yeah. Maybe her birthday or Christmas yeah. or something. But it makes me laugh the day she died because it was July 4th. Right. It was Independence Day right. in America. Yeah. And it makes me laugh because yeah. if she was going to pick a day to die, that yeah. would have been it. She's she so independent. So independent. Yeah. Yeah. No. She's like, I will choose my yeah. day and this will be the day. <laughs> I thought, trust Bernie to pick a day with the whole of America yeah. to celebrate yeah. and she'll just pretend it's for her. Well, this year was a bit different for me mm. because Oliver passed away the same day as the Queen. Oh, really? So it's the first year I didn't post anything oh. on Oliver. Because for one, I didn't want to be disrespectful to the, to queen. the queen passing. Yeah. I also didn't want people to think, oh, I can't believe you're posting that on the day of the queen. It's all about you it's again. About so. you again. I felt so bad. Mm. I felt because so bad that I didn't post about my brother on that day. Really? Yeah. And I even now I think, am I going to be able to post next year? Do you know what I mean? Because it's... But here's the thing, you can do whatever you want. Exactly, it's yeah. Nobody else's is yeah, I know. It's yours and how you cope. And, but I think... And that's what people need to know, I yeah. think. But also, I think when you live your life through the public eye, mm. and I'm very open on my stories, mm. there's not much I don't do on my stories, you're always going to get people criticising. And I just think it just gives those people another reason to have a go at us. Mm. And I don't... I can't be arsed with that on a day when I'm thinking think about my about brother. brother. Mm. Um but yeah, first day in so 10 years. What would you say to somebody who's going through grief, who thinks that they've just gone through it and, and they think, I can't move on, I can't get out of bed, I can't get over it. I'd, what would you say to somebody like that? I'd say I've been in that exact mindset and I'm still sat here 10 years on and I've still got a lovely life. I still laugh every day. Mm. I still see my friends but I still struggle mm. and I still have bad days and you should never ever feel ashamed to have a bad day. Mm. You should never feel like you can't have a bad day and it's not weakness at all. It's mm. it's that love. It's mm. that love there that you want to tell them, you want to hear their voice. But always makes me mad when, it's, when people say it gets easier. Don't think it does get easier. No. It gets more livable. You can live with it. It's never easy. I never want to think of losing my brother and my dad as an easy thing that happened to me in my life. Like the hardest thing that I've ever been through. Has it changed your... 100%. My mindset is totally mindset. different. I think I was learning in my 20s. I've not always been... I think I've always been a nice guy, but I've also... I've lived my life how I wanted to live it. Mm. And I've lived my life trying to make it. Now... I'm a dad myself. I learned so much in my 20s losing my dad and my brother. And like I said, I always try and take a positive out of things. And it told me to live, but to be nice to people. I've not always been the nicest to people. Be nice. You never, ever know what's going to happen. Could I could leave my missus, give her a kiss, and then something bad could happen to me and she'd never see me again. Mm. So don't go to bed on an argument. Live your life, do what you want to do, but... And don't feel guilty. Never feel guilty. I think the thing with grief, it's that guilt that you're yeah. living your life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Going back to my mum's house, it probably about two months after Oliver had passed. Mm. My mum still hadn't smiled. And I remember being on the phone to one of my mates and I'm laughing away. Mm. And I walk into the kitchen and my mum kind of gave me a look and I, I never spoke to her about it. And I feel like that look was, how, how are you laughing. laughing? How are you getting on with your life? She wouldn't have said anything to me because I'm the only person that made my mum laugh mm. after Oliver passed. And she says to me to this day, if you weren't here, I wouldn't have been able to get through it mm. because you broke that cycle for me. You made me laugh. You did something stupid. You said something stupid. And, and you made it okay to laugh. And I made it okay to laugh. Mm. And it is okay to laugh. So never mm. feel guilty. Never feel guilty going out and living your life after you've lost someone because they're still with you. They're watching you. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And I don't, I don't know a lot of people go, whatever, like there's nothing after you've died. Mm. I 
I hope to God there is. I hope there's something. I hope my dad and my brother are together. I hope I'll see him again one day. Mm. I hope they're not in pain anymore. And I think whatever gives you comfort to believe yeah. in. You know, my mum was super religious. Yeah. So she believes that they all went to a better place and she will see them again. And I envied her that, yeah. that religious belief because yeah. I don't have that. But I envied the comfort that it gave her. Yeah. But I find comfort in other ways. Yeah. And you, you can't knock anybody's comfort. No. The way they find it. However is the way they're they find coping it. is fine. Well, I, I didn't grieve for my mom for a year because yeah. she'd had Alzheimer's. I couldn't stand seeing her the way she was at the end. Yeah. So when she passed, and I felt guilty about this, there was such a sense of relief. Yeah. Because yeah. I just thought, oh, she's out of all that misery and yeah. trauma. And for the first year, I think I was just, I, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean I'm glad she's died, but I'm just of glad. Of course, yeah, that, that's not, what I say. Yeah. When I, I don't, I'm, it I'm not happy. It was a year after, then I started to remember my mom as me as a kid. Yeah. So I remembered her being my mom as a kid. Yeah. But for a year, I just kept remembering with Alzheimer's and it was like, I, I'm glad that's yeah. not... Yeah. But um, so my grief took a year. Yeah. Really. But that's the thing with grief as well. Like yeah. it, you, it's not, you don't grief straight away. No. I really don't think you do. No. Well, I think it's the, shock. It's initially. the numbness first. Mm. It's a sense of being numb mm. and not knowing what to feel, not knowing how to act. And that numbness can last ages. Mm. Then you get the realization that you're never going to see that person again. Yeah. And that's a total different emotion. Then you get the grief. Mm. Then you get sadness for things that are coming up in your life that they're not going to be part of. Yeah. You grieve all over again. You grieve all over again. I grieved at the fact that my, my that Leo's not going to get to meet his granddad or his uncle. Mm. That's another grieving process yeah. for me. Um, but yeah, you can never feel guilty about moving on with your life after you've lost somebody. Because just because you're getting on with your life doesn't mean you love them any less. No, and if they could say anything to you, they, that's exactly what they'd want you to do. My dad would give me a clip around the ear. Yeah. If, he, if he thought I was moping around and, and not living my life to my full potential, mm. do you know what I mean? He'd give me a clip. Come on, boy. Mm. You, you're, you're stronger than this. And it's not... Because there's no... I always say this. My dad was a very emotional man as well. And there's absolutely no... There's no weakness in showing emotion. There's no weakness in grieving. There's no weakness in feeling down and having your down days. And I still do. But I've always, I always need that push to bring me out of it. And that push is always, what would you they wouldn't want to do. They wouldn't yeah. want me to be I down. The same with they wouldn't want me to. I sit in the bath sometimes, listen to Celine Dion mm. with candles and cry. Yeah, and cry. But do you know, that's really healthy. I think mm. cry when you want to cry. That's too what I want to say yeah. to people. Too many men, especially. Men, especially. They won't, they won't They're cry. they to be strong for everyone. I cry on everything. Yeah. My dad was a crier though. Mm. So that's been passed down to me, like... No, it really has, because you really cry a lot. I'm a cry right? Yeah. yeah really? I cry when I've seen you this morning. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> I cried when I heard you were coming yeah. in. <laughs> God's sake, I've got to listen to his story Not again. again. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Crying. Laughing. Laughing. Yeah. There's, there's no... I, I guess you agree. There's no perfect way to deal with grief. No. You've got to find your way of dealing with grief, whether or not you've broken up with a partner whether a lot you've lost a parent, you've lost an animal. I was going to say, People yeah. can grieve so, so much, much because they're part of the family, yeah. do you know what I mean? So you're not alone. And if you think about how many millions of people are in the world and there's still laughter, yeah. there's still people moving forward mm. and just put one, front, one foot in front of the other, take that step. And if the next day you take four back mm. and you're in a bad way, don't feel bad, don't feel guilty, don't feel weak. The next day, take one more step forward. If one person watches this mm. and says, thank you, it helped me or it got me through it, then that is a reason to do stuff like this. And I'll always continue to talk about it. It was just unfortunate it was you that I had to talk to. I'm sorry about that, but I, I was the cheapest I could was get. You? Yeah, you know me. Cheapest chips. Cheapest <laughs> chips. You take the girl out of Blackpool. Yeah, yeah, exactly, God. But I'm delighted it was you. Thank you. And um, I love you. I love you too. And you are fabulous. So are you. And just keep being you. And you are genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met. And Thanks. that's why we've been friends for so long. And you've seen my acting. So I'm not acting. You know you're not you know acting. I mean? you're a crap actor. No, don't say that. We're musicals now. Oh, we'll no, never get another actor. job again. Go and see him in all I'm the better. Movies. I'm better now. <laughs> Hollyoaks was not great, but I'm better. <laughs> How do you play a builder with his top off? Come on. Well, if anyone can. You exactly. Can. Exactly. I didn't have out to say. 
You can't. Why don't you try keeping your top on for one of these? I am now. I've grown up. Have you? Yeah. I don't believe it. Do you reckon if I take it off now, I'll get a few more listens? No, I'll get no, you don't get listens. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nobody can see it. No, but thank you so much for having me. No, and like you. I say, I love you. And I'm sure it will help people today. Hopefully. I hope so. Thanks, Jake. Thank you. Hi, Yolanda. Thank you so much for joining me today. And you are from Cruise Bereavement Support. I am, right? Yes, that's so right. So I've written questions down for you okay. because I want to make sure that I ask all the right questions for people listening, especially. Fantastic. Um, the first one is, what are the most common ways of dealing with grief? There are so many ways to deal with grief. Everybody's an individual, so it's like a fingerprint. No two ways are the same of dealing with grief. So some people may be happy, some people may be sad, some people may go numb. Uh, the reaction that most people expect to see is somebody crying, mm. falling apart. But that's not necessarily the way people grieve. They might be extra busy, they might want to sleep, they may eat, they may go out, take drugs, drink. So there's so many different ways of grieving. So there isn't an actual common way? No, there's not a common way. No, no. no two people grieve the same. Absolutely. Um, and what's the best way to help someone in your family who is grieving? You've got to remember that when you're in your family, there's a common loss there. So you're all going to be grieving in a different way. So you may feel like you have to support other people before you can grieve yourself. Uh, but I would say the best way is to be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with other people. Ask and don't assume. Mm. Because sometimes we assume that somebody doesn't want to talk or we assume that they want to do whatever they want to do. But ask them. Mm. Let them tell you. I think that's the best way. And knowing, I guess, that you don't always have to be the strong one. You don't always have to be the mm. strong one. And sometimes being the vulnerable one, the one that cries, gives other p people permission to cry. Mm. You know, we always think we have to be strong, but what does strong look like? Yeah. We don't know, you know, it's not necessarily just keeping your emotions to yourself. Mm. Because somebody could be looking to you as, the, uh, as a guide to show them the way to grieve. Mm. And if you're not being honest, if you want to cry in front of that person, well, maybe they don't know what to do. So then they keep their emotions inside. Yeah. So honesty all the time, honesty, really. Honesty, definitely. Um, what's your advice for someone who's suffered multiple losses in a short period of time? Oh, that's a hard one because um, the when you initially have a loss, the first thing that you go into is shock. So um, until that shock dissipates or disappears, then your real emotions don't come out. So don't force anybody to do anything, I would say. Because when you, if you think of going into shock, it's like if somebody's just blasted you with an ice gun and everything's frozen. Mm. And then over time, it, it thaws out and then the emotions then start to come out. So that's why sometimes people say, oh, well, I thought I was okay. And then six months, one year later, then it all came out. It was just like it was the first day. And that's mm. why it's because the emotions are finally coming to the forefront and then they need dealing with it at that time. Mm. And it can be something that's not even related to the person that you've lost that, that can make you burst into tears. Absolutely. I remember when um, my mum died and was clearing a house and I was working full time and just trying to sort everything out and my car key wouldn't work. I couldn't get the car open. Mm. And I sat on the ground and I burst into tears and that's when I started grieving. Yeah. Yeah, so it could be anything. Um, how do you best advise someone who's trying to understand how long their grief will take? Well, I say, how long is a piece of string? Mm. I can't tell you that. Nobody can tell you that. So it depends on the person. It depends on your relationship with that person. It depends on you and your experiences. So, for instance, if you have multiple losses, you might be grieving somebody else and then this loss happens and then it turns it into a very complicated, complex type of grieving. Mm. Can't face it. And also, the body has a really great function of protecting you it knows when you're ready mm. so if you're not ready and you haven't got the energy to grieve because grieving is a very difficult process mm. then your body takes care of you until you're ready and you have the space to grieve mm. and sometimes with multiple things that have happened multiple losses is it true that sometimes the the, the actual brain can only deal with one thing at one grief at a time almost so is that where the numbness maybe comes in 
if you have multiple? It's the body's coping mechanism. It will switch off that part of your brain. It will just yeah. switch it off. It's like, I can't cope with that in a moment. Let me just switch it off. Yeah. But also, Colleen, you might be going through other things. So if you think of a death, it's not necessarily just the death. You might be doing the administration of the death, mm. planning a funeral. Uh, you might be moving jobs. You might be moving house. You might be going through a divorce. So there might be other things that are also a factor in the way you grieve. Mm. So you just have to take care. Do you have any specific advice about coming to terms with someone dying at a very young age? It's really sad. Nobody wants to see the death of a, a young person. Um, but I think it's just coming to terms with the fact that there's no age for loss or death. Uh, from the beginning of time, people have died at different ages. Mm. And going forward, it's something that will happen. When it happens to you, it is really difficult. It's really difficult. Um, if somebody is dying, it's in my experience, you have to, when they were dying, they had to come to terms. And my initial thing was to say, well, don't cry, don't cry. Mm. But they need to cry because they need to uh, grieve the loss of their life. If somebody has died um, as a young person, celebrate their life, mm. celebrate the life they had. Try and remember the good times. You'll initially have those images of the last days or the last few months mm. because that is the, the way the brain processes. But you can counterbalance that by looking at pictures, remembering the wonderful words they say. Mm. You know, think of the memory. They may have said to you, you know, uh, I want you to do this in my memory or I want you to keep living. Yeah. You know, and take those words. They left you with those words and those words are a gift. Mm. Just use that gift every day. And sometimes when you know somebody's dying, mm -hmm. Like you said, it's a great opportunity to do things that, so you don't put them off anymore, you do them there and then, but equally, uh, uh, if there is such a thing as a nice way, but you get to say goodbye. You get to say goodbye. You know, that's what I felt with my sister yeah. because, you know, at the end she knew. So you got to say the things that you shouldn't put off anymore, you yeah, know, definitely. and say it. Definitely. Um, and I think that helps in that, if anything can help, it it definitely helped me, rather than the shock of just somebody who you weren't expecting going again. Yeah. A different grief, I guess. It's a different grief, and you, you're right. It's nice to say goodbye, mm -hmm. because guilt is a natural part of a loss. Everybody feels guilty about something, mm -hmm. but if you've done what you can in that moment, it makes you feel less guilty a bit later on. Mm -hmm. I should have. I could have. Well, you're right. Do it now, and that's one thing about death. Death teaches you how to live, and it teaches you to appreciate life. Mm. So um, just talk. If you can't talk to the ones you love and you haven't got friends to talk to, you're not alone. There are organisations out there. That I think that's a really you. important thing to get to get across, that there yeah. are, if you don't feel you've got anyone, or you can't talk. Sometimes you can't mm. talk to the people nearest and dearest because you don't want to hurt them. Yeah. So it's nice to have these places where you can go and talk Definitely. and they will understand and be there for you. Definitely, and there's always, I mean, we're talking a lot about diversity because people do things in different ways. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to talk. You can use a journal, you can write a journal, write your thoughts and feelings in a journal. There's online chats you can use. You know, there's forums that you can go to with other bereaved people. There's groups you can join. You know, there's a lot of churches, and I bring in churches because they, they're not about religion, they're about people yeah. and supporting people. So just there are lots of options out there, and, and I think um, unless you've had a loss, you don't really know about them. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing to, that I want to get across on this is just for people to realise that you don't have to be on your own you going don't. through this. You know, there's so many organisations. Mm. Um I don't know if you heard me and Jake speaking before, but I I felt with me and Jake a lot of what that came that came out of our conversation, um, and I've heard this before with people I've spoken to that have lost people is there's always an element of guilt, isn't there? Like you're doing it wrong, or you weren't there at the end, or and you kind of live with the guilt. How do you kind of get around that? Well, the way I dealt with it was I looked at my rational and my irrational mind because we like to punish ourselves a lot don't we mm. like i should have i should i could do this better i could do that better but actually look at what you did what did you do because mm. there's lots of things you probably did that you're not looking at mm. so okay you might not have been there 
every single day. I myself and my stepdad died when I was 13. I went every mm. single day except the day he died. And I forgot to look at the 99.9% of the times that I then. went. Yeah. yeah. And I just looked at that and felt guilty, punished myself. But that's a natural part of grieving is, is to pick everything apart, see what you could have done differently. But also you have to remember that death is final. You can't change it. You can't bring that person back. Mm. And, you know, I hate when they say, well, what would that person think? Because they're not living your experience. Mm. So when people say, well, your mum wouldn't want you to, or your sister wouldn't want you to be sad, they're not you. They're not grieving them. Yeah. You are. You're mm. here. But it's about self-care. It's about self-compassion. And I think when you're grieving, it's the time when you've got to love yourself the most you've ever loved anybody. Mm. Because if somebody, if it was somebody else, you'll say, you know, don't do that to yourself. Be kind to yourself. But when it comes to yourself, you're very hard. Yeah. So, but guilt is natural. They say guilt is anger turned inwards. Mm. So it's it's you feeling angry about the loss. So beating yourself is one of one of the ways mm. that you express that. And also, finally, I guess, if you have a friend or a family member who isn't dealing at all well with it, and have months have gone by and they're still not moving forward, or they're getting into a really dark place. What is the best way to maybe help them? Sometimes helping them is giving them the space to grieve. We look at people we know and we, we know them in a certain way, so we expect them to be a certain way. So they may just be going through their grieving process. So don't tell them to cheer up or, you know, you should have snapped out of it by now. Mm. Just allow them to grieve in whatever way they're grieving because this is a new experience. For however long, though. For however long. Because we, we want to put a time limit on grief and there is no time limit. So what we can be do is just say to them, like, I'm here for you. Whenever you need me, I'm here for you. You can send a text to say I'm here for you. You can send a card. You can give them leaflets from organisations. You know, you can give them information, but don't tell them how they need to grieve because mm. it's their process. It's their process. So don't judge. Don't judge at all. Don't grieve. judge. They're not you. You're not them. You don't have their experiences. You don't have the relationship that they had with that person. Mm. So, yeah, just it's I was always say kindness, compassion and love are the best things that you can give to a person. And what does that look like? It's probably empathy. It's rather than sympathy. Mm. It's um, just being present. It could be making a meal. It could be helping out with the kids. It could be just taking the kids for a night. Mm. So it's it's. Or speak to them, I would say, as well. Ask them, how can I help you? Mm. Is there anything I can do? They might say no. Mm. For me, people thought I needed people around me, and I didn't. I just needed some space to process. So just be mindful. And if it's your friend, go into your instinct. Sometimes you need to go into your instincts. Sometimes they don't tell you mm. what your instinct will tell you. And sometimes it's listening to that. Well, it's amazing. And um, I just want to thank you for coming in today and you know, understanding and sharing your experiences and giving us great advice. Thank you. And letting people know there's people like you out there always willing to listen. There's lots of compassionate, loving people out there. And you're one of them, Miranda. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. This podcast is a Reach production brought to you by Co-op Funeral Care. Together, no one has to deal with bereavement alone. <laughs>